you know, I, we don't think that every single person person should adopt or foster. Like it's not something for everyone and that's fine. But we do think most people can do something, right? And so kind of our goal behind these stories and the vision is that caring for vulnerable children in some way, shape or form would become the norm. Like it wouldn't be the minority of the people in our country or other countries doing something. It would be the minority if you're not doing something. And so if we can tell enough stories, get enough people involved, the the shift that's going to happen, that tipping point will happen. Welcome to the Light and Dark Photography Podcast, where you can build your business, grow your community, and have fun doing it. I am your host, John Mansfield. Every week, we bring you real conversations with photographers and entrepreneurs to discover ways that you can take your business to the next level and serve your clients well. We record these live in our Facebook community so you can be part of the conversation. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of whiskey and get ready for today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Light and Dark Photography Podcast. Um, I'm your host, John Mansfield. Today, I have Nick and Whitney Runyon with me. Um, They are the co-founders of the Archibald Project. Um, And guys, I'm just going to let y'all, like, there's so much... for for like y'all's introduction and everything uh i just want want y'all to kind of go into what y'all do what the archibald project is all that kind of stuff yeah um so we basically we use storytelling to empower more people to care for orphaned and vulnerable children and so that looks like um telling inspirational and educational stories that help people get over their fears and either creates new families or helps families stay together. Um, People get involved in foster, people will adopt, people will become CASA volunteers. The the list goes on and on just from seeing a story and seeing that someone else could do it and now they feel like they can do it too. So that's kind of why we chose the vehicle of storytelling. Nice. Yeah. I think that is... Uh, that's super powerful too. Cause I know for me, like looking at something, if I'm even interested in, you know, uh, like being a CASA volunteer or something like that um, or anything really, if I can see that other people have done that and like be able to watch a story or look at photographs or something I'm like, oh, okay, cool. They look like they're like me, like, like they're just a, an ordinary person who's doing this. I could do this too. It's fascinating too, that I, I saw some data from 2017 and I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was like the number of people that had uh, friends or family that they knew that had adopted, they were like 50% or more likely to adopt themselves, which just goes to show you the same thing that people are, when they see someone else do it, especially if they feel like they know them, and go on that journey with them. They're like, Oh, I could do that too. Even though it seems scary. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, when, uh, when, uh, Taylor and I used to live in, uh, Austin, we went to the Austin stone. They're very big on, uh, fostering and adopting and, um, and all that. And we saw that just in our kind of like our small group of newly married, uh, people, you know, without kids and everything. And there was one couple who, adopted and then everyone else was just like okay yeah that's on the table for us now like we hadn't really thought about that before we're like oh yeah adoption's great fostering is cool and then having someone in their circle who is adopting or is fostering is like okay now I can see this firsthand and this is much more attainable it's not like you know there a lot of the questions kind of go uh you know, because like before uh, Taylor and I, we've always, I mean, from a uh, funny story, the, the, the day that I asked her to be my girlfriend, um, there was about an hour and a half after that question before I got an answer, uh, <laughs> which was a bunch of questions. And, you know, we, we had kind of, um, 
neither of us were, were looking for a relationship whenever we met and we were just like good friends. And we talked about a bunch of stuff, but one of the questions was, you know, are, are you open to adoption? What do you think about foster care? And we were both on the same page of like, yeah, that's definitely in our future. But we had so many questions of like, how much does this cost? What do we have to do? Like what classes do we have to take? All those kinds of things. Um, This was a, this was a, will you be my girlfriend conversation? (laughs) Not will you marry me? Yes. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But we were, we were like, we'd had, you know, other, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, uh, in like through college and everything. Cause we, let's see, we would have been 23 ish, 23, 24, somewhere around there when we started dating. Um, so we were, we were like set on like, if I date again, this is going to be the one. So I think that was part of it was like, she was, she was thinking, okay, well, yeah, if, if we're going to date, like this is going to be my last boyfriend and then you're going to be my husband. Uh, so let's just get all this stuff on the table first. And if this doesn't work out, then we can just still be friends and, yeah. and hang out and stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I was not ready for an hour and a half of uh, <laughs> questions. And <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, but that to say, like, we've always had adoption and foster care on our, on our hearts, on our minds, but we had so many questions until some of our friends were fostering and some of our friends adopted. And we were like, okay, now we can actually like ask them questions. We can see what's going on. We can see the classes that they've been taking and, you know, getting respite certified and stuff like that. Uh, And that, that really helped out. So like the stories that y'all tell really do help people who like even just have a little bit of um, a little bit of adoption or foster care on their hearts they're like okay now I've got these stories and I can I can see what this looks like in real life yeah yeah so yeah 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 and that's great um and like through that both of you are photographers um so tell me a little bit about you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons why y'all's photos and videos like hit so deep is because y'all are great photographers and, you know, cinematographers uh, that you can tell a story because uh, there are other organizations that I've followed or that I've looked at and like the photos are just like here, here's the thing. <laughs> like there's, there's not like a bunch of story that goes into it. Um yeah. So could you like kind of go through like what did y'all do before starting the Archibald Project uh, in the photography world? Well, oddly enough, I was actually a photographer. I had a wedding company and did family portraits and all that. But Nick was an airline pilot. And I was not a photographer. He fell in though <laughs> to photography and videography because I was kind of cheap. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to pay a second shooter. <laughs> we were both cheap. I was like, we you shouldn't pay a second yeah. shooter. I so, can figure this out. <laughs> so he did. And he learned the technicalities of everything. And, um, he became my second shooter. And then bride started saying like, Hey, do you know any videographers? And I was like, you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so he also learned that, um, just on his own, which is really cool because he's grown and developed into such a beautiful filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he was kind of put into that role just because of necessity. And then with the Archibald project starting, he, I would take the pictures and he would do the video. And then I edited the first few videos because he was off flying still. Um, And I didn't know how to edit. And he didn't know how to edit. And then he just started learning and he's become such an amazing storyteller. Thanks. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. Um, And that's, that's funny. That's like kind of similar with uh, Taylor and myself where, um, I was the photographer and we were both cheap and (laughs) and I was like, I don't want to pay a second shooter. Like, could you just come with me to weddings and like, I'll, I'll set up the settings on your camera and then you just have at it. Um, But that was really And then you get to hang out together. I know you get like somebody pays you to hang out together. You get a good dinner. You get to dance Mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You can come on over. 
<laughs> yeah, Taylor. Just uh, since then, I should say that Nick ahead. did quit the airlines. He's no longer an airline pilot, and he is a full time with the Archibald Project. Yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> how are you guys doing? Good. good. It's good to see you? you. Good to see you guys, even if it's two D. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You have three yeah. kids, and now we have three kids, and now I find that that's very overwhelming. <laughs> yes, I find that too often. Right. <laughs> so well done with your three. You. <laughs> Seriously, it's no joke. It is not. <sighs> and twins. You have twins. We do. You know, we were at the doctor the other day, and the doctor said, "You went from zero to three. Wow, that's a lot." And my kid looked at me and was like, "Why is that a lot?" Oh, like, you'll understand one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are always like, "Oh." zero to one is a big transition because it changes your whole life or two to three is a big transition because now you're outnumbered y'all went from a couple to three like <laughs> toddlers and kid mm-hmm. like you skip baby where you kind of transition <laughs> into like okay we're getting to know each other you're finding out how to communicate with me i'm figuring out how to like understand you and y'all are just like <laughs> let's love these three and just be a family and now i love it it's my favorite thing on my instagram that's really really sweet thank you like there's just a lot of beautiful and difficult sacrifices that i saw y'all make for your kids to in order to make them your kids and bring them home and i was like wow that is such a testament to how much they want to be a family and i loved it Oh, so, it was definitely a really hard, long pain. Like it was not always pretty. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. No, and you guys also like showed the hard, the. It was not pretty, but like you showed how hard it was, and the sacrifices you went through. But you showed the joy of like being united with as a family, in a different place, in their familiar place. Yeah. But like getting to know each other, learning each other, learning your language, like barriers and how to overcome those. And just, I feel like you showed the steps of becoming a family mm-hmm. and not just the, yay, they're with us. And now we're a family that like not sometimes you feel, yeah. you feel like people show on Instagram or like, you know, they've adopted this baby and now it's ours and yay. And it's like, yeah, but like, there's also that like sadness there where like, they're not in a place that they've known their whole life and they don't have their nannies anymore. And you don't know their parents to ask follow-up questions about like, okay, well, what were they like for this or that? And yeah, like, you were having to speak English and French and figure that out in a community you've never like spent a long period of time in. And like, just seeing you guys figure out how to love each other with barriers makes seeing you guys love each other now as like a whole unit, like so much sweeter. Thank you. That's really kind of you. Whitney was really good about sharing all that and me and the three kids would complain every time she wanted to take a picture. Still do. Still do. <laughs> we did it. But there's a, like, it's a really important. That garage, man, you've got to. Well, as a photographer, it's really important to me to not, like, stifle my creativity. And so my document. children and my husband right now. And so that's what I photograph. And I'm also a really honest person. And I don't. I don't think I follow anybody that's just like this beautiful feed that's just like all roses all the time. I mean, yes, I follow people with beautiful feeds, you guys, but I'm not following people that are just like, my life is perfect. And so, especially with a really vulnerable topic with vulnerable Mm -hmm. people, I want to honor them and their story and not overshare the pain Mm because that's not mine to share, but just I want to paint a realistic picture of what Mm -hmm. our life is is like i just wanted to hop in and say hi because i miss you guys so i'm glad you did i'm so glad you did we can't wait to see you guys in person again someday i know i know yeah i was like okay yeah we were talking about taylor and then she came to the door and was like hey i was like yeah yeah come on over here (laughs) 
Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, kind of like going off of what Taylor was saying with like the way that y'all even document your own life and your own story, your own adoption story, um, like that showing the, like the highlights, like the celebrations and the stuff that is normally like Instagram appropriate, uh, that, you know, people like to share and then sharing the, like, you know, crawling or crying on the floor and like the hard parts of your adoption story, like really, really, um, I don't know. It, it just tells the whole thing. Um, and it makes it easier for other people who are looking at adoption or, you know, fostering to be like, okay, yeah, like there's going to be hard days too. There's going to be rough times. There's, you know, there's going to be, uh, it's not all going to be like sunshine and happiness every single day, but yeah. overall I can see the whole story. Uh, so I think, I think that's really important. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. So can y'all tell me a little bit like with the Archibald project, um, like what is, uh, what's, what's the impact y'all are wanting to make on the world? What, um, what's kind of like the drive behind telling all these stories. I know you kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but yeah. we can go a little deeper. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's kind of the, the larger vision is that, you know, I, we don't think that every single person person should adopt or foster. Like it's not something for everyone and that's fine, but we do think most people can do something. Right. And so kind of our goal behind these stories and the vision is that, caring for vulnerable children in some way, shape or form would become the norm. Like it wouldn't be the minority of the people in our country or other countries doing something. It would be the minority if you're not doing something. And so if we can tell enough stories, get enough people involved, the, the shift that's going to happen, that tipping point will happen. So that's like the big goal. But then at the same time, I mean, every single email that we get of someone who's now a CASA volunteer because they heard our podcast and somebody was talking about that. And now they've taken this next step or they're taking classes now to become foster parents or they're avoiding maybe a corrupt international adoption. And they're going to do something else instead. Like all of those things are make it worth it and are beautiful individually and hopefully working toward that collective goal and vision. Yeah. And the goal though, it's not, like, why do we want to get all, like, why do we want everybody to do something? Because at the root is we believe that children belong in safe and loving families, whether that's biological family, if possible, like we want it to be their biological family. Uh, but sometimes that's not an option. And so the next place should always be a family, not an institution, not a group home, not bouncing around in foster care. And so the more people who get involved, in a vulnerable child's life, then the more children will be in families. And so that's why we want everybody to be playing a part. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I I love that y'all talked about like everyone playing a part because not everyone is meant to adopt or not because it is, it is definitely not for everyone. It takes a lot. Um, but I think that everyone can have some sort of part, even if it's, uh, you know, a, like a monthly uh, donation type thing where I was like, okay, I can't like uh, when Taylor and I first, you know, heard about y'all, um, which I don't even remember how, maybe it was from Jamie Ivy way back in the day because Whitney I think you were on her podcast like mm-hmm. years and years ago mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah whenever we first heard about y'all in the organization we were like we want to be a part of that like we're not in a place where we can adopt right now and you know we're now like you know six years later we're still not really in the place where we can adopt or foster, but it's on our heart and we want to do something. And there are a lot of people out there that I feel like uh, they want to do something or they have a heart for, uh, for children to help get them into families, but they're like, we can't do that right now. We don't like, we can hardly keep track of our three kids. 
like we we can't bring in someone else right now or we can't you know go internationally and you know go through all the expenses and time and all the things but yeah. you know there are so many different avenues and and different ways that you can uh you know support organizations like y'all's uh, yeah and we can you know you can institute laws and programs and legislation all day long and all that is important but until actual people get involved and start doing something nothing's going to change like all those things require people Mm -hmm. getting involved in some way and that's i feel like the heart of where we're at is we are here for anybody who will watch or listen and we can hopefully inspire and educate them in a way to get involved in the best way that fits them and their families. And their life stage. Yeah. Like our family would not be where we are <clears throat> without Allie, who is sitting right next to us. She works with us, but she's like come in and just been a support for me and Nick. She's like our kids auntie. Like she just is always there and willing to help my kids, to help me, to help us provide a date night do whatever. And that has helped us thrive as a family. And so there's so many people out there who are like, maybe not in a place to foster or adopt or can't become a CASA because of their work schedule or something, but they could be there for an adoptive or a foster family or a biological family who's really struggling. And maybe they need a ride to like counseling or job interviews or different things like that, that there's just Sorry, I could go off on a soapbox of how many ways to get involved outside of actually fostering or adopting for people. Oh, yeah. So I'll be quiet, but, yeah. <laughs> but we have all of these things on our website. And okay, cool. I was going to ask if y'all had uh, something like that on your website. So that's- Yeah, we're actually in the process. We're hopefully, Lord willing, going to be releasing a new website very soon. And we have like an extra resource page where it's just kind of all the things of how you can get involved outside of family preservation, foster care, or adoption. Nice. Yeah, that'll be really good. Cool. Yeah. One thing that, like, Taylor and I went through uh, respite uh, classes um, in order to, like, be certified to babysit for uh, for parents who had, you know, who were fostering, um, because you have to have certain certifications in order to do that. You can't just like, you know, find whatever babysitter to come watch your kids. Yeah. And that was really big. I mean, we, we never um, got, you know, matched with any couples to do or families to do that. But, um, but that was something that we saw, like, this is something fairly easy, doesn't take a ton of time or money for us to get certified. And then we can give them like date nights. Yeah. Because as parents, you need time away from your kids to like, you know, still have a healthy relationship and still, you know, stay sane. Um, and being able to provide that uh, for other families was uh, was something that we saw kind of a, a low uh, barrier of entry for something to do to help serve uh our, our fellow families and, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. and parents like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Y'all have a program called weddings that change the world. Um, I am part of that program. I love it. Um, and y'all have photographers, y'all have, uh, like cinematographers, videographers and everyone in there too. Oh, yeah. yeah. We have a few and then we have a few vendors as well that, thanks are associated with weddings. Florist, cake, bakers. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Can you tell me and the listeners about uh, what that program is, uh, what uh, wedding professionals um, like us can do to be part yeah. of that? <laughs> Absolutely. So kind of like what we were just talking about with how everybody can get involved. It's a great way for artists to be able to use their art to share a, share the mission of the orphan crisis with their brides and grooms, but also to give back with the talents that they have. And so Weddings That Change the World is a program for, let's just say, wedding photographer, because we're talking to one. Yeah. And you, you have a book, right? And you can take it to your meetings with your clients and say like, hey, this is who I am. And I'm also really passionate about helping end the orphan crisis. And so here's this book and it's got 
pictures and our mission and your and if you book me, then a, pro, a, certain, a certain portion of your payment to your wedding photography or your wedding in general will be donated to this organization who's working towards ending the global orphan crisis. And so bride and grooms can feel really confident then that like a part of their, the payment for their wedding, which is this big, you know, oftentimes like a really big financial investment, a portion of that can be going into giving back to society. And I think a lot of people really care about that right now in our generation and people want to like purchase with a purpose and they want to feel like they are helping contribute to society. And so this is a way that we can join with photographers because we're photographers or videographers or videographers, other creatives out there um, and say like, Hey, this is how you can use your business to help a bride and a groom or whoever to pour back into society. Is that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's great. And I, I love that. I have, I mean, I have my book, I take it to, you know, open houses, wedding shows, all those kinds of things. Um, and I have had brides and grooms, like literally like tears streaming down their face looking through because they were adopted or they have an adopted sibling or they have, you know, someone close to them, you know, best friend or whatever. I had uh, this one, one bride who her maid of honor was adopted and she remembers like meeting her like in middle school or whatever, whenever she was being adopted and like that whole process. And she was like, okay, yeah. Like I had a couple different people in mind, but this like completely narrowed it down and not like in a marketing sense and everything, but like it was something that touched her so much that she was like, oh, I want part of my wedding to go toward this so that other people like my best friend can have you know can get placed into families that's so cool oh my gosh i love that yeah and it is it's it's so great and and like like whitney what you said about like this generation um being more mindful of where we spend our money what uh what corporations what organizations we're giving to you know there's a huge um a huge mindfulness of what exactly is my money going to? Like I have these options of different places to spend my money. And this one gives back to, you know, uh, to, to children help helping to get them into to families. So I want to spend my money there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of, it makes you feel like anytime that I spend money, I with a company and they say, you know, a portion of this goes to whatever organization. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I feel like I did, I did great today by buying this burger from this place. And, you know, <laughs> 5% is going to help, uh, you know, help children in another country. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, like I was hungry. And it tasted great. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. It makes it taste so much better. <laughs> That's awesome. And it is, I mean, not, you're right. Like not to make it a marketing pitch, but there have been, like you said, other wedding photographers or wedding vendors that have been like, Hey, I have booked more clients because clients are excited that a portion of their wedding proceeds goes towards helping vulnerable children. And so that's, I mean, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, like just to kind of sidestep into marketing for a minute, because this is also a business podcast. Um, like one of the ways that you can create, uh, I don't know, like a better way of um, getting bookings is through connections and storytelling. And like, that's one of the reasons why like Instagram is so big because people get to look at the photos and videos and they hear stories of different couples, whatever. Um, And like, this is another way that you can really create that connection with potential couples, um, you know, even through email, like it's in my initial email, whenever people contact me, um, it's in my contact form. Like we give a portion to different charities, what charity, um, like is in your heart and, 
And some people are just like, uh, NA, I don't know. Uh, like we don't have a charity and others are like, Oh, this one, or, you know, this is, this is really important to me. And then kind of like spurs that connection where I can talk about, Oh, Hey, you mentioned that, you know, uh, charity water is really important to you. What, like, what connections do you have there? Have you donated with them? And it like opens another form of, uh, like deeper communication that will help you stick in their mind whenever they're yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. And then I've, I've had so many, so many people and, uh, and other people who didn't book with me, but just absolutely loved that we give a portion back to others. And yeah, that this isn't just like a for-profit type business. Um, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but you know, whenever I came home, three months after uh, Taylor and I got married and I had a little napkin from uh, my lunch that day. And I had written down my business plan for all heart photography. (laughs) And part of it was we wanted to give 15% to charity Um, because Taylor and I were like, you know, we were pretty poor. Um, we didn't have a lot of money to give. We had friends who were missionaries. We had organizations that we loved, but, um, but we were like barely making rent. Mm-hmm. Um, we are like, okay, so, uh, this is a way, like I can start this kind of like side hustle over here. And before any of that money comes to us, we get to give and we get to help and we get to see, lives get changed. Um, and then we'll make a little bit of money too. Um, so I, 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 it's a, it's a huge thing on my heart, obviously. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's like, I remember, I'm like remembering back, like, I don't know, that was like eight years ago, like just sitting there in the courtyard during lunch by myself because my other coworkers, uh, it was a weird situation where they took lunch like an hour before me. So I was always by myself. Uh, um, you can thank my manager for that. Um, but, uh, but because of that, I was sitting there just like thinking of things and I was like, I really like photography. And I was working at a wedding venue, kind of, you know, helping out, like set out chairs and tables and all that kind of stuff before. And I like, I can remember just sitting there, writing on a napkin from subway or wherever and uh and that being part of it yeah and i think there are a lot of other people out there that that want that um i don't know something something bigger than themselves um, and partnering with organizations like y'all's allows you to be bigger than yourself and to reach more people than, than you could like, you know, $5 in y'all's hands can go a lot further than $5 in mine toward, uh, you know, the orphans and foster care. Well, I think it's really cool and admirable that you desired this since the beginning. And now you are like, just because you're like doing what your dream, you know what I mean? Like you're making your dream come true and you're Mm -hmm. shooting weddings and you're successful. That hasn't changed your desire to pour back into others and help people. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. 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 I mean, we've had some rough years too. Uh, like 20, 2017, 2018, we're not, uh, not great for our photography business. Um, and we had people close to us being like, why don't you just like stop giving to organizations? Like, mm-hmm. like pause that for a minute. Like, uh, cause I have a little, uh, kind of ticker or whatever on my website that shows how much couples have given through hiring us. Mm-hmm. And we just hit 45,000, uh, this That's last amazing. year. That is amazing. Crazy. Cause that was like Please. almost double my salary when, uh, starting the business. Yeah. Like, like if you had told me eight years ago that, you know, we'd be able to give $45,000 to different charities and be like, how, like, did we win the lottery? Like, <laughs> so cool. Yeah. And it's, and it's really cool that, um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you know, I'm a Christian and, 
you know, God provides, and I feel like you can never outgive God, uh, even whenever times are hard. If you've made that um, commitment to give a portion, like yeah. continue to give it, and yeah. and you've always had enough throughout. Yeah, all that away. Exactly. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, there have been some, some tight months for sure. Uh, and, uh, and, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure with 2020, uh, that was pretty difficult as well. Um, but yeah. So with this, with this program, is that open to just anyone, anyone can apply for that? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's technically, it's called weddings that change the world, but I mean, we are not going to deny people that want to get yeah. involved. And we're also working on revamping it a little bit. It's been slow because it's been, you know, we've had a lot of different things happen in the past couple of years, obviously everybody right. has. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we want to make sure that that's an opportunity, not just for wedding photographers and videographers, but also even other businesses. And so we want to make room for lots yeah. of different types of, entrepreneurs and people that can also yeah. give back. Yeah. And a part of it too, is we provide different little things like the book stickers or like online stickers, uh, online images, things like that, that people can share and put it, like you're saying, put on their website so that they can also promote like, Hey, I'm giving back and I love this organization or whatnot. So, and I do think we have a, a special place in our heart for photographers and videographers just because we, did that and do that and that's still. a huge part of our mission yeah so there's a connection there yeah like your shirt it says storytelling changes the world that's yep. our mantra like storytelling literally changes the world it really does yeah yeah okay so okay i love it um as as we kind of like come to an end it feels like we like just got started talking uh, <laughs> but um what is what's a piece of, um, advice or, uh, like knowledge that you've kind of like soaked in through the years that has either, um, helped y'all as a business, like running the organization or just in life in general? It's mm. a good question. That's a good question. It doesn't have to be like the best advice. Cause I always say that whenever someone's like, what's the best thing? I'm like, Oh man, now I've got to like weigh everything. Cause I'm like, Oh, I could say this. But then well, I actually work. have one that I have told myself from pretty much day one with the Archibald project. And it's been true. Um, and I've told other like younger people this, but that cheesy saying from childhood, slow and steady wins the race is so true because we live in a world where everything seems in like instant gratification, follow your emotions, follow your feelings. And yes, feelings are good and they can be good. Um, but we just think in this, in this cultural moment, we keep thinking if it doesn't happen instantly, then it shouldn't happen. Or if it's hard, if there's struggle, if there's challenge, then it's not meant to be. I gotta, I, if it, there's pain, I gotta get away. And so I think with growing a business, there is going to be pain. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be months or years of lulls. It's hard, but slow and steady wins the race. Like I feel like we never would have imagined being here even five years ago. And I'm so thankful that we've stuck with it and that it has been hard because the hard has grown our character. Um, and so yeah, just don't expect, I mean, yeah, that's awesome. If you get success overnight, that's great, but that's not the majority of people. <laughs> and, and a lot of times that overnight success leads to a, and again, not always, but it can lead to a faster downfall because you didn't, you didn't struggle and that struggle develops something in you and in your business and in the people that work for you that I think yields longevity and mm -hmm. real success in the end. <clears throat> and I think especially for people out there that are just coming out of college or trying to start a new career, there's so much pressure to feel like you have to know exactly what you want to do right away and then be in that. And I can say like, I mean, we both had completely different careers before this. And I think a seed was planted in Whitney's heart, especially for something like what we're doing back when we first got married. And it took uh, almost six years before that finally came to be like a full-time thing where we 
were drawing a paycheck from it and the nonprofit was really starting to grow. Mm-hmm. So like just being patient, that, that dream that you have, that thing you, that you think can be, it might take six years before it becomes that thing. And that's okay. Yeah. Like it doesn't ha- have to happen right away. Like don't give up on it, but be patient. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that is some really great advice. Um, it's, it's definitely something that has helped me as well because, you know, uh, this business has not been an overnight success. There have been some slow years, some rough years. I mean, my first year in business, I shot four weddings. Um, and like I've, I've been talking with other, um, other photographers, like I do, uh, mentoring and stuff like that. And I was talking with this photographer and she was like, yeah, I mean, my first year I booked, uh, 20 weddings. And then I was like, your first year, that's <laughs> oh my crazy. God. Like, how did people even find you? Like, I, I didn't book 20 weddings a year until like year three. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, everyone's, everyone's, uh, story looks different and everyone's race looks different. Um, and sometimes it's slow and steady. A lot of times it is slow and steady. Um, and Nick, like what you were saying with, you know, sometimes the overnight success can go to like the next night downfall of, uh, you know, I was, I was also chatting with another photographer on clubhouse and she was saying that she just started her business, uh, like early 2020 and already has 20,000 followers on Instagram and is getting all of these leads and everything, but she had not set up a structure of like how to actually run the business. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I am like drowning over here. I don't know how to do these things. I don't have these stuff, you know, implemented for tasks and what to do when these things happen. And a lot of times the slow and steady race you're able to spend more time like developing structure for uh, like I've honed in my, my inquiry process to where it's almost completely automated uh, and other than like me going in there and like adding a few things, but I have like everything down to where I'm not thinking, okay, okay. What do I need to say? What do I need to, uh, and, and it really helps. Uh, And knowing that, um, that not everyone has an overnight success, even though sometimes on social media, it appears that way. Um, A lot of those overnight successes um, have been like five years in the works. And then all of a sudden they just like, you know, something goes viral or whatever. And then it looks like an overnight success, but there were hours and hours of unpaid work uh, going into this. That's very true. And then the the only other thing I would add to that too, is just, in the middle of that waiting, if you're waiting to see your business really grow or get to that dream that you're pursuing is don't, don't miss the good that's in front of you right now. It's so easy to be so focused on what could be that you miss all the amazing things that you have and forget to truly enjoy what's right in front of you. And if you can have that practice in place now, once you get to that goal, I think you'll, more likely be able to enjoy that instead of, cause I mean, there's always another goal after that. Even once you, if your business blows up, there's already, there's always somebody who's is a little bit more successful. And then you're trying to get to that and you're constantly just after the next thing and you never pause to actually enjoy where you're at and see the good around you in that moment. Yep. Yep. I completely agree. I think that's, that's a, a really great word. Um, so awesome. Well, cool. Well, um, as we wrap this up, there's one last little question um, that we do a little part of the show where we talk about what we're loving this week. Um, and it could be movies, shows, books, yeah. food, whatever. Um, do y'all have something that y'all are loving this week? I feel like it should be some profound book or something like that. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was just I, and I think it's been out there for a while, but we recently came across it was uh, a, sh- a show of Conan O'Brien, Conan Without Borders, where he travels and just like does little bits around the world with people and meets cultures. And I have laughed so hard at that show. So I've yes. really seen that lately. I also recently came upon that show. I don't know if it was just like, because I think it's on Netflix, maybe. It was. I think they 
don't have it anymore there, but okay. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll find where you can find it or you can watch it. But yeah, it like popped up like the whole algorithm, whatever was like, Hey, you should watch this. And I was like, I didn't even know that this existed. Right? So uh, funny. Yeah. And I, I never really watched Conan when he had his late night show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't really have, I, like I knew he was funny and did like family guy stuff and and that kind of thing. And then watching a couple of those, I was like, Oh, this is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he also has his own podcast. Yes. I listen to that a lot. <laughs> also, like we, we work in such a heavy uh, world. I, I feel like life is really heavy. Um, our home life is often really heavy. Our job is really heavy. So I feel like the only media I can consume is just comedy. So oh, Conan yeah. podcast, it can be Kraus, some, Kraus, Kraus, Kraus. Kraus sometimes, but it's really funny. It is, yeah. Uh, I think he is, he's very quick-witted, which <laughs> I love. He's really uh, smart. He's yes. really, really smart. Yes, yeah, very, very smart, um, which I always aspire to be smart and quick-witted, um, and it doesn't always happen. Uh, but every now and then, it does, and I... I like, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm funny. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like Conan just without the hair. Cool. Cool. Um, okay. So Whitney, do you have something separate to Conan? Um, I'm really thankful. Uh, I feel like life's so many things. I'm really thankful. I'm really, this week I'm really thankful. We've been in a really good week with our family and I'm really thankful for that. Like That's right. really, really thankful for the week we've had with our kids. It's yeah. Good. Oh yeah. That's good. Like there have been days where we were just like, the kids were great today. Yeah. Like there were no fights. There, were, there was no crying. Like they were helpful for each other. Like they were reading each other books. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool. Like feel like we're winning as parents. Yeah. Uh, those are always great days and great weeks. Yeah, uh, I even said it to them this this morning on the way to school. I was like, guys, I'm so proud of you. You did it. You did. You guys were so kind to one another this morning. I go, did you re- realize how peaceful it was without you guys like yelling at each other? And I was <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, this is what it could be. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh yeah. And that positive reinforcement can make huge changes. Because uh, I feel like as parents, a lot of times we like we speak whenever um they're acting up or whenever they're doing things that we don't want them to do and we don't um uh, like uh congratulate or like celebrate whenever they're doing the things that we enjoy, like the the peacefulness and like being kind to each other. And that's something that Taylor and I have like consciously been anytime that we see the kids like helping each other out. We're like, that was so great. Like, yeah, I love that you did this. And that was so kind and trying to reinforce that instead of uh, whenever they act up. So yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So what I'm loving this week um is uh the complete opposite uh i am in like the wedding world everything is happy and joyful and stuff and i tend to consume darker uh like thriller movies and shows and things nice um so i i recently uh remembered that i had hulu for free from something that i signed up for and i was like oh i'm gonna log on there and see what's new and there's a show, I think it came out, or a movie that came out last year called Antebellum. Um, and it stars... Is it a country movie? A what? No. Country movie? No. You're thinking of a band that's country. No, yeah, there's... Like Lady Antebellum? No, there's a country movie that's a thriller that's out right now. Yes. It's, I mean, this is a thriller, and it's it's set in the country. Um, it's like it's set in like Civil War era. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really good. It stars, um, I think her name's Janelle Monet. Um, she was in Moonlight uh, and the show Homecoming, uh, which I've talked about a few times on the podcast, uh, which I loved. And she's really good in it. And this, I love movies that have twists and turns and like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, and this one had a couple of those. Oh, good. Um, yeah. 
where I started watching like the first, probably the first half. And then about halfway through, I was like, Oh, okay. And I was like, Oh, is this what it is? And then it kept going. And then I was like, no, that's not what it is at all. And yeah. then it changed. So it's, it's really good. Um, it's, it's definitely, um, a thriller it's not like horror type like scary or anything um but uh but yeah it is it is very interesting um and it follows like these uh these slaves at the time like back in you know early 1800s or whatever um and their story and like how they're trying to escape and all those things and it's it's very good i like twists and turns and this one had a really good one um, <clears throat> So I know you can watch that on Hulu. Not sure if you can watch anywhere else, but I'll look it up. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, let, let everyone know where they can follow y'all. Um, you know, I know y'all have like Instagram, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. Uh, let us, yeah, if you want to try and watch really good movies, go to our YouTube page for uh, the Archibald project, Instagram, the Archibald project. We have a podcast around the world with the Archibald project. Uh, yeah. Uh, personal Instagram is Whit Runyon. He's Nacholas, but he hasn't posted in like But I don't years. do much. He doesn't. <laughs> he's a creepy, he's a quiet stalker. I'm really not on it that much. He's anyway. not, but yeah. I just like, post, Yeah, every now and then you'll post like something to your stories. I'm like, oh, hey, Nick's on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably me. I probably did it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, the other day he was like, how do you do an Insta story again? No. No, you really just didn't did. want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well cool well, we'll have all of those links and everything in the show notes too uh so y'all can follow and like and watch all the videos and cry and uh good yeah good cry um but yeah well thank you so much for thank for coming you. on the show i really enjoyed yeah. getting to see your faces and like this is great Y'all, I loved that conversation with Nick and Whitney. It gets me super excited uh, seeing all that they're doing um, for the orphans and the vulnerable children of the world. Um, It is really awesome. We have links to all the resources that we mentioned in today's episode. Um, If you're interested in joining the Weddings That Change the World program, or you just want to learn more about the Archibald Project, we have those links in the show notes as well. Uh, Just head over to lightdarkco.com slash podcast slash 57. Uh, This episode was recorded in front of a live Facebook audience where you can ask more questions um, and interact with us make it more than just listening from your favorite podcast app. Um, And while you're in that app, we would love it if you would subscribe. Uh, That way we just drop right into your feed every week. Um, And if you want to join us live for the next time, uh, you can join our Facebook community by searching for the Light and Dark Photography Podcast Group. This episode is edited by me, John Mansfield, and our theme song is by the talented John Isaac. You can follow the show on Instagram at LightDarkCo. You can find me at AllHeartPhoto, and the Archibald Project is at the Archibald Project. Whitney, you can follow her um, at WitRunyon, that's R-U-N-Y-O-N, and Nick is at Nacalus. Until next week, I'll see you in the Facebook group. Bye, guys.